It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.08 on a Saturday morning, 52 degrees outside. We are celebrating today. Today is a special day in the gardening world. Today is World Naked Gardening Day. And if you want to celebrate with us, we would be delighted for you to tell us what you're doing in your garden, in the buff, or in whatever you care to wear in your garden. Ashton Ritchie from the Scotts Company is here with us this morning. Ashton is wearing not as much as he could. Let's put it that way. There's... Um, <laughs> Some skin exposed. I am, I am glad you uh, turned the air conditioner up a little bit. Last, <laughs> we last time we did this, you had it pretty cool in here. We're going to make it warm. We do not want to lose any body heat. This is a 12th annual. It is. 12th annual World Naked Gardening Day. I don't think I celebrated the first uh, 10, maybe, <laughs> but the 11 and 12 last year, remember, we celebrated World Naked Gardening Day. This year, we're doing all out. If you go to my website and type the word naked, um, you can see Ashton and myself who are performing our garden duties, uh, not wearing a whole lot of clothes in our yards, and so you're welcome to go and uh, check or, that out. Or not. Or, or not. not. Exactly. <laughs> or not. It's totally up to you if you care not to. In fact, I would not go to the World Naked Gardening Day website because they're a little more not than anything else. They are, they are those British-looking seniors. He's They're probably in the 80s, 90s. Seniors. Well, who, the, the seniors are the date of the photo. I think the photo is the 70s, and the seniors are in their 80s. Uh, yeah. But they all look healthy. They look healthy, and they look tan. They look like they haven't been wearing clothes for a little while. A little while out there. So anyway, World Naked Gardening Day celebrated here on the Lawn and Garden Show. And answer your questions about lawns, trees, anything else from the Scotts Company. Ashton Ritchie, and he can answer anything you need to ask about lawns and their care. Becky is up in Marietta, Georgia, and Becky joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Becky, good morning. Good morning. How are you? We are all right. We're naked. What's going on? All righty. <laughs> I read in your newsletter, I guess yesterday, about Rose Rosette, I believe. Yes, ma'am. All righty. I know to take the rose bush out, but is it all right to replace a uh, knockout rose right back in the same place? If you're good about getting all of the root pieces that might sprout later, if you get those out the first time when you take your rose out today, then you can plant another knockout rose with no problem there. But the key is you don't want any pieces and parts that are infected to sprout back up again because they'll simply infect your new rose. So dig it all out. Be real good about sifting the soil to get all the root pieces gone and plant a new rose there this afternoon or tomorrow. All right, fine. Thank you. Nothing to it, Becky. Thanks for calling. For those of you who have not heard or seen of Rose Rosette virus, I've seen more and more pictures and actually seen it live and in the garden this year. Do you have Rose Rosette down in Serenby, Ashton? Not that I've seen. Uh, there are some knockout roses, and they, they have been, they've been outstanding this year sure. as far as blooming. Boy, I mean, everything's been great this year from yeah. a blooming standpoint, but uh, I haven't seen any that have got it. I'm so... Now, sensitized to the disease, I was at a little elementary school garden two weeks ago, and they had a big rose bush right by the entrance of the garden. I looked at the rose bush, and I thought, oh, and I called the elementary school principal and said, you know, this rose has rose rosette, and if you leave it there, it's going to infect all the other roses in the neighborhood. You really should dig it out. Mm, mm. And the symptoms for those who have not seen it is just red, red, red stems, and for 
lots of witch's broom sort of at the ends of the branches and lots of thorns, lots of thorns on the new growth on the plant as well. The rose rosette is uh, caused by mite. It's a virus. You cannot spray. You cannot prune it out. The only thing you can do for it is to dig up the whole plant, put it away, put it in the garbage, get it away from your neighborhood, and that is the treatment for rose rosette virus at this point. Jim is up in Cumming, Georgia. Jim joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Jim, good morning. Hi. Hey. Uh, appreciate you taking my call. I've got a problem with uh, just a Japanese uh, cherry of some sort. I'm, yeah. I'm not quite sure what kind it is. Okay. But this spring, when I got out pulling some weeds around the area, I noticed it had uh, some kind of a white fungus on it sort of a papery or uh, like a styrofoam cup type uh, texture to it. Sure. So I don't know if there's something you can do about it, or is it just a matter of time till it dies? Where, I mean, give me more description of this white styrofoam cup stuff. Was it on the trunk, on a limb? How thick was it? How big was it? Give me an idea. Okay, the it was up the trunk mostly. And the trunk's sort of short. You're talking about four to four and a half feet. But okay. then it goes up into the limbs at least around six, seven feet. And it uh, it grows kind of like the lines on notebook paper, just like little layers. Hmm. My suspicion, and I'm going to have to let you do the look up online, Jim, to make sure I'm right here, but my suspicion is that it is a lichen. That's my first guess, because lichens grow on the trunk of trees. They grow on my cherry tree. The good news is they don't do any damage at all to the tree. It might, it might, it might be just on one side, too. And Yeah, possibly on the one side or the other side of the tree, not on one side because of the way the exposure to the sun um, is on yeah. one side or the it's other. On, it's actually on the sunny side, and I have two trees there. The other one doesn't have it at all. Yeah. And I just felt like it came from that rainy year that we had last year. Possibly. The the life cycle of a lichen is pretty interesting, Jim. It is a an algae and a fungus who grow together in a in a mutually supportive way. The algae is green and it photosynthesizes and that's why it would be on the sunny side of the tree because it is photosynthesizing, making these little sugar chemicals that feed the fungus which encloses it and protects it from drying out. And so you have, there's flat ones and there's spongy ones and there's plate-like ones and there's several different yeah, kinds they, of lichens. They kind of have a plate and they're they're small. Yeah. They're just small. They're growing out maybe a quarter of an inch. Yeah. And you can just shake them off. I think lichen. I think you have lichens. A lot of times, Jim, what you'll see is that the tree looks a little thin. When I see dogwoods, for instance, and have lichens on the trunk, the tree looks thin. And the person who owns the tree says, well, look here. The lichens are killing my dogwood tree. And the truth is, because they like the sunshine, as the dogwood has declined in age and something, it doesn't have as many leaves as it used to, and the lichens start growing because it's a good place for them to live and get sunshine and all that. But they really just use the tree as a place to roost and get sunshine. So, again, my guess is it's lichens. Look online for pictures of lichens, and if it's L-I-C-H-E-N, lichen, lichen. Um, so you just kind of let it go let or it go. treat it? Or? No reason to treat it at all. You let it go. And if the tree itself seems a little thin, you address all your efforts toward making the cherry tree happy, healthy, fertilize lightly if it needs to be, mulch underneath it to keep the ground cool, do the things that you should to make a tree happy. 
And if the, if the leaves come out a lot more thick during the summer or next year, then the lichens will slowly disappear. They'll be gone. Okay. Okay. Well, I really appreciate it. Hey, it's great uh, talking to you, Jim. Uh, can I tell you one more thing? I heard you talking just a little while ago about uh, uh, knockout rows. It was like seven or eight feet tall. Yeah. I had three that got up like I'd never trimmed them. And, and they were just so beautiful every year. I just let them go. Sure. But what I found out was they finally got to an area they just leaned over. <laughs> <laughs> they got too big for their own britches. Then. <laughs> right. So I just thought the one you were talking about, that's what they're looking at sometime in the future. Yes, sir, Jim. Thanks for calling, man. All right. Thank you. I tell you, if you were over in Carrollton, Georgia, and you know a guy named Jim Huff, Jim Huff is really, really proud of his rhododendron. His daughter sent me a picture of his rhododendron. Ashton Ritchie, this rhododendron, she said, my daddy is 5'10", 5'11". It was twice the height. Wow. Well, well you know, when you, when you go to England, I know you've taken yeah. garden tours to England, uh, yeah. some of those uh, are like... Two-story houses, but you never see a rhododendron not that here, big not in here. Georgia. No, no, no. you see the Zayas rhododendrons over here. That a yeah. lot. You know that last caller reminds me why I liken your show <laughs> because I learn something every time I listen to you, Walter. I learn something new every time I listen to you. Can you tell me what the association between lichens and um, Peter Rabbit is? I'm, I'm about to learn about something to learn. Learn yes, something yes, else. Yes, yes, Beatrix Potter, who wrote the Peter Rabbit books, she was actually a biologist while she was writing Peter Rabbit, and she was one of the first people to show that the symbiotic relationship between algae and fungi oh, wow. was what caused a lichen. So wow. Peter Rabbit, Beatrix Potter, algae... I uh, got a million of them. And, yeah, million and she was uses. from a, a part of England where they, I'm sure they had a lot of lichens. I bet they did have a lot of lichens, and she liked looking at them, yeah. too. Yeah, 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 yeah. 718 at Talk WSB. Back to more Lawn and Garden after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. Take off your clothes, just rip off your clothes. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Get out in nature, all natural. Celebrate World Naked Gardening Day today. Expect perfect conditions for your nudist gardening. Crystal clear skies all day long. No chance of rain. Afternoon's highs in the low 80s. And when the sun goes down and you get out there in your skivvies, upper 50s overnight. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Betty is up in Tucker and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Betty, are you clothed this morning? Oh, yes, I am. <laughs> well, Betty, if, you, if anything changes, you let us know. Okay. <laughs> How can we help, Betty? Uh, well, I treated my yard, which, which is St. Augustine grass, with uh, triazide this past week because okay. I had several areas that did not green up. Okay. And I'm wondering if I also need to use um, um, a fungicide. Hmm. Ashton is our lawn expert, so let's let him ask some questions of you. Well, okay. Yeah, typically, if you've got a lawn fungus on St. Augustine, it's going to be uh, circular patterns, uh, which is like a brown patch. And a lot of times that happens more towards the fall. Oh, um, and if well, you, if I have it, not it, noticed that. No, okay. Um, 
can also use milorganite to fertilize those areas that have not greened up. Yes, yes. baby. Nice, slow-release milorganite. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I'm with the Scotts Company, but uh, yes, you can use <laughs> milorganite. <laughs> okay. The Scotts Company does have a few lawn fertilizers you can find at Pike Nursery and be happy to serve your needs there as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. But the bare spots, how much are you familiar with chinch bugs, Betty? Well, I've had them before, so I just uh, put it out all over my lawn this right. time. Well, you were right to put the triazicide out because that's an insecticide. It'll kill chinch bugs. But their symptom in my lawn is what you just described, bare spots. Right. They appear. Mm-hmm. I start noticing them. In July, and I think that maybe it's dead and dry and needs some water on it. Especially the sunny areas. Yeah, the sunny areas, the hot areas. And then I look down real closely, and, man, I had chinch bugs last year, so I've got a big bare spot in my backyard. One of the easiest ways to diagnose them, Betty, if you have a vacuum cleaner that has a hose on it, Put an old mm-hmm. sock over the end of the garden ho- over the end of the vacuum cleaner hose, and go out and just suck around your grass for a little while. And you can then take the sock and dump it out onto a piece of paper, and you can see the little chinch bug nymphs. And you can see the nymphs sometime in early to mid June, and the adults, the red and black adults, will be present in July. Oh, okay. But you should have killed them all. You shouldn't have any out there. Theoretically, the St. Augustine will come in and fill in those uh, bare spots. And if you want to take a couple of runners around the edges of the yard and plug those into the bare spots, that would be great. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. It's great talking to you. Thanks for calling, Betty. Okay. Bye-bye. More lawn and garden after news. See what happened. Yeah, I was just in here getting my car checked, and he disappeared out of the track. Come streaking around the grease right there. Didn't have nothing on but a smile. I looked in there and Ethel was getting her cold drink. I hollered, don't look, Ethel! And it's too late. She'd already been mooned. Flashed her right there in front of the shop or so. He ain't boogity, boogity. He ain't boogity, boogity. He's just in the mood to ride in the nose. Oh, yes, they call him the street. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 735, 50.4 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, and I am here to help you be more successful. Whatever you want to do, next couple of minutes we'll be talking to Michael, who wants to start a lawn from scratch. Wes in Covington wants to get rid of poison ivy. I know how to do that. Been there, done that. Got the t-shirt, learned from the experience. One of the things that we do on this show is identify weeds. And this is strictly making lemonade out of lemons in that Ashley Frasca has more l- more weeds and more lemon lemons, I guess. <laughs> Ashley Frasca has weed, weed, weed in her lawn, which she is fighting one at a time every weekend. We have weed of the week and what Ashley should do in her lawn. What is our weed of the week today, Ashley? This segment actually makes the weeds fun, though, because oh, I can turn good. it into something positive, a learning experience, tell right? It, tell it to us. Um, this week is chickweed, so I know that's very common, yeah, yeah. easy to identify. Folks are very familiar with chickweed. And so chickweed right now, I mean, you could pull it up pretty easily, right? 
Yeah, it's one of actually my favorite weeds, if you could have a favorite, <laughs> because it does. It pulls up so easy, yeah. and I don't really have a problem with it in my grass, but in my flower beds, it, it just yeah. is very persistent and grows up through mulch or pine bark, anything you've got down. And the bad thing about chickweed is by this time in May, it's already dropped about a zillion seeds, and so there's not much you can do about it now other than pull it out of there if you kill it. What good have you done other than revenge? Right. So <laughs> right. The, well, revenge is yeah, sweet, Yeah, you though. feel good. All right, I'm going to you know, pull you up or spray you with Roundup or whatever. But the actual best way to control it is a pre-emergent in the fall. We preach that every year, September, a pre-emergent that says this will control chickweed and the other winter annual weeds. And that is how you control chickweed, both in the beds. You can get a pre-emergent that's labeled for use in beds, and you can get one labeled for use in lawns, too. Perfect. So uh, next fall, I will do that. And then you can go this afternoon and pull the chickweed and ha, gotcha. It's so rewarding. There it is. You can fill up a trash bag full of that chickweed. <laughs> and where would we see pictures of chickweed ash? So folks can go to WSBRadio.com and type in Weed of the Week in the search bar, and it brings them to the photo album of all the weeds we've posted every week. Okay, WSBRadio.com. Check, just type the word weed, and it'll take you there. Plus, there's stories about marijuana that we, we're not going to talk about that either. Yeah, it'll, it'll bring those up, too. <laughs> All right. It's 737. Michael's up in North Carolina and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Michael. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Oh, great, Michael. How can we help? Um, I'm closing on a, a home on Monday, and um, the house was built in 61, and I'm kind of starting from scratch on the yard, and um, the yard looks pretty good, but there are places where it looks like there's different kinds of grass growing and all that. And I just, and I also have a persimmon tree in the backyard, and and I, I think I should prune it in the fall. But when should I feed it? And let's those let's do the lawn first. My friend Ashton Ritchie from the Scotts Company is here this morning, and he is Mr. Lawn Man, wound and wound. So. Ashton, what would you do? Do you have any idea what kind of grass is in there now? Is it Bermuda grass or is it fescue? If fescue would be, it would have been green all winter, and the Bermuda grass would have kind of turned brown during the winter. It, it turns brown during the winter. Okay, so you've got Bermuda grass. Um, you know, if, if if the house, you say it's in pretty good shape, I think I would just feed it and put potentially, uh, you know, if you've got some weeds, control those. Uh, but uh, Bermuda grass likes to be fed a couple, three times uh, between now and fall. And that can make a big difference because it'll spread, and it's it's really coming into its own right now. It's doing pretty good. Now, where it might look a little uh, uh, thin would be if it's creeping into the shade. And in the shade, it just doesn't like the shade too much. So, But if you've got sunny areas, uh, you know, I just would get out there, and if you put your ear down to the ground and listen to it, it's going <laughs> to say, feed me right now. Right. And maybe it hadn't been fed as as much as it should have been if the house was on the market. And there's Scott's products. Uh, what would he feed with the Scott's products? Well, I, I like the Scott's uh, Turf Builder is good, a Southern Turf Builder. Or you can use uh, Scott's Green Max. It's got extra iron in it. But uh, mm -hmm. uh, there's a Scott's uh, All-Natural uh, Lawn Food, uh, which can be used. But any, any, any good lawn food that says lawn on the front is going to give you slow feeding, and uh, that's what you should do now. Okay. Okay. Uh should I treat uh, for weeds? Uh, I guess I just heard a segment they're saying do that in the fall. Can you also do it during the summer? Yeah, for, for the lawn weeds uh, that are active right now, you can you can put a, a weed control down. Uh, you've got a choice of either spraying them or rather than using a regular turf builder, you could use a turf builder weed and feed. 
If you decide to use a weed and feed, put it on moist foliage and pick a day when it's not going to rain. Um, okay. If you decide, if you only have a few weeds, though, you could just spot spray them. There's a you go to your local garden center, and they can recommend something that's going to work well. Or you can dig okay. them up, I and mean, if you really truly only had two or three, if you had a little chickweed like Ashley was talking about earlier, you could dig them out if you wanted to, because it doesn't sound like that's your case. But for other listeners who just have a few weeds here and there, you don't always have to use the chemical. You can dig out weeds, you can dig out onions, you can dig out other things, and just control them that way rather than always thinking we have to spray with this and this and this and this. And if you uh, feed feed the grass, it's going to help uh, yeah. keep yeah. a lot of the weeds from getting going. So yeah. feeding it regularly is really the key. Bermuda is a okay. weed killer. It's a weed choker. It, tries it is. to get over and kill all the weeds by Especially itself. if you feed it. Yeah. So you feed it about three times a year. You got it. Yeah. Starting about right now. Actually, you could have started a week ago, but starting now, another time in maybe June, mid to late June, another time in, let's say, August to early September. Okay. okay. All right, Michael. What should I feed my persimmon tree? You know, if his persimmon is near the lawn, it's going to get enough nutrients from the lawn fertilizer that you really shouldn't, I don't think, need to, to feed it at all. If you okay. felt like throwing a little bit of lawn fertilizer in that direction, as long as it's not a weed and feed, then right. you can throw a little bit underneath the tree. But mostly the tree is going to get nutrients from the lawn fertilizer as long as it's not a weed and feed around it. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. It's great talking to you, Michael. Thanks for calling. Wes is out in Covington, Georgia, and Wes joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Wes, good morning. Morning, sir. How are you? We're well. How can we help? Um, last year, uh, I fenced in my backyard and noticed that I have a very big poison ivy problem. <laughs> I sprayed it with some super concentrated stuff. I got a tractor supply, and that killed it, but it's back. Anything mm. else that I can do that's more permanent, or am I just going to have to keep treating it with the stuff from uh, supply. Let me give you a, a hint, Wes. Don't celebrate World Naked Gardening Day when controlling poison ivy. <laughs> you really need to celebrate World. Get your, all your clothes on and <laughs> get out there with everything covered up with poison ivy. I don't have an issue with it. It's the dogs that get back there and can't tell the difference. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to put, then you pet the dogs and <laughs> yeah, or you, you know, know it. yourself. Yeah. And the you know the problem, frankly, Wes, is that poison ivy comes up from seeds that are spread by birds. And unless you control all the poison ivy and all the woods around the house there, you're always going to have some poison ivy in your landscape. Probably less as you go forward year after year and keep controlling it. But the stuff you get from Tractor Supply or any broadleaf weed killer, including Roundup, including Killzall, uh, or the, the Bayer products or the Bonide products, all of those that kill poison ivy, use them and use them consistently, and the population will go down, but you'll never eliminate it. I've had I've had good luck with uh, with one of the products that actually says poison ivy on it on yeah, the label because ivy, it's yeah. got uh, it's got an active ingredient that uh, that works really well on poison ivy uh, triclopyr. So yeah. look for brush killer, poison ivy killer, something like that on the label. That is the stuff that Ashton's talking about. All right, all right. Thanks, sir. Make Covington a prettier place, free of poison ivy, please, <laughs> Wes. I'll do my best. All right, man. We'll see you soon. Thanks, sir. It's 45, 44 minutes past the hour. Gives Scott his turn. Scott's in Winder, Georgia, and here he is on the air with us. Hey, Scott. Good morning. Good morning, fellas. What you got? Camellias. What is that commission, Walt, where you have just a few leaves on the camellia, get puffy, turn a milky, white, gross, sickly-looking color, yeah. uh, and then eventually, of course, they'll turn brown and die. Is that 
anything to be worried about? What is it? Should I do anything about it? Uh, look out, Scott. You're about to get a big Latin word, two big Latin words here. Exobacidium camellia. Ooh, thank you, Inez Hames, who taught me Latin in <laughs> 10th grade at Fayette County High School. Thank you, Inez Hames. Uh, we call it a camellia leaf gall. <laughs> That's what it is, Scott. Camellia leaf gall, but it's caused by exobacidium fungus, so nah, had to show off a little bit for you. Uh, and the treatment for it is really organic. You just go out with a little bucket, you pick them all off, you put them in the bucket, you throw the bucket in the trash, dump them in the trash, and get them out of there, and that's the end of that story. Easy enough. Easy enough. They get them on azaleas, too. You see them on azaleas. Uh, some species seem to have it more than others. And my little camellia in the backyard, I saw had some of the camellia leaf gall on it. The key, you know, you mentioned, Scott, that it's turning sort of milky white. The key is to pick them off as soon as you see them, because once they turn milky white, that's when it's sporulating and infecting other buds, leaf buds for next year. So the quicker you get it all off the camellias, the better off you'll be. Now, do I need to disinfect the shears every single time I cut one of those things before nah. I use it on? No. I would use your fingers. I mean, frankly, shears is overkill. <laughs> you just pick them off with your fingers and put them in the bucket. No reason to cut them off. Great news. Thank you for sharing, Walt. You bet. Thanks for calling, Scott. We got time, I'm sure. We got time for Mary because she's real quick when we get in here. Mary's up in Alpharetta, joins yep. us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Mary. Good morning. Good and thanks morning. for taking my call. How can we help? I just had something so incredible to tell you about that. Christmas poinsettia that has not lost one of its petals yet. Wow. It, it was a pink one. Yeah. And then in February, it was a white one. And now it's turning pale green. How awesome. And it says on, on the tag that came with it, Prinsettia. Mm-hmm. And it said, it, loves, it prefers light. Okay, I overdose it on light. And I have a little lamp on the coffee table, and I put it under the coffee table for two hours in the morning, two hours in the afternoon, and I put it in the sunlight all day. And it's just remarkable. It hasn't lost anything. How long can I expect this thing to go on? Ashton, what do you think? I mean, she wants this poinsettia to be her perennial poinsettia now. Yeah. Um, Well, you know, you go down to Mexico, and there are perennials down there, you know. I, I... I think just keep on going. I don't know how long it'll last. Yeah, what have you done wrong? Nothing. And I think, Mary, keep doing what you're doing. It will thrive in more sunshine, as Ashton sort of implied. It loves sunshine. So even. And she's doing the right thing there with the light. Yeah, even outdoors. You could put it in sort of a bright shade place outdoors and care for it during the summertime, bring it in next fall. I'm not going to go over the details of how to get it to change color. Mm -hmm. But it's not terribly unusual. And you're to be congratulated, Mary, because you haven't drowned it, which is the real way that most poinsettias die, is people overwater them inside, and by April they're just all gnarly looking and out on the compost pile it goes. But if you don't overwater a poinsettia, give it enough light during the late spring that it's indoors, uh, they can look fine. And as you've discovered, it's still got green leaves on it, and you're pretty awesome. Well, I think it's quite remarkable. And on Thursday, I, I flood it. I put it in the kitchen sink and flood it. It's mm-hmm. in its original pot. I flood it and, that's, and then drain it, and that's the only watering that it gets all week. It's you, once a week. You have the touch, Mary. I, it's remarkable. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Good luck with it. I hope it goes green for you the rest of the year. Thank you. Bye. You bet. See you soon. It's 7.48. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. 
News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. Met you before the fall of Rome. All right, quick quiz. Name of the band. You got it. Bare Naked Ladies. Time for a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. An absolute wonderful day to be in the buff with your blueberries, to be naked with your knockouts. It is World Naked Gardening Day. Ash and Richie and myself are celebrating here in the studio alongside Ashley Frasca and Scott Maxim. The weather is in full cooperation. Plenty of sun for that overall tan that you have. It'll be nice this afternoon. Low 80s, no chance of rain. And tonight in the upper 50s. Atlanta's most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes. So news 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Luis in South Fulton County. Join us on Lawn and Garden, Luis. Good morning. Good morning. What you got? I have some um, dogwoods which are mature and have been looking good for the last four or five years. Mm-hmm. This year, I had one branch turned, the, the leaves got curly. Ah. And um, they have a few spots on them. Are all the branches brown? Or that just, one branch to the other branch. Is it just one branch or one and a half branches, or every branch on it is brown? Uh, it's not brown. It's dark green. Oh, just curly. Yeah, but it's curly and um, feel real rough, rough. And um, now it's to about two thirds of the entire tree. Let me ask one question and then give you an answer quickly because I don't have a lot of time, Louise. But one question: um, How old is the tree? How long has it been in the ground? Uh, fifteen years, maybe fifteen right. or twenty. It's sort of approaching the expected lifespan on a dogwood. So it would not be unusual for a 20-year-old dogwood to have various limb problems and curling and browning and things like that. It just accumulates a lot of stress and bad things that happen over the last 20 years. That's one possibility. The other possibility is if anybody put a lawn weed killer too close to the roots, dogwoods have very shallow roots, and sometimes lawn weed killers can be absorbed by the roots and will cause the dogwood to decline and suffer. So consider either one of those two two things, either old age or maybe lawn weed killer is causing the damage here. That's what it sounds either one could be possible. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you, Louise. Thanks for calling. In the next half hour, who we have? Kim's indicator with a question about putting in new zoysia sod. Mark in North Carolina needs to control his moles. William in Jefferson wants to know when to aerate or overseed his Bermuda grass. And David in Bethlehem has suggestions, wants suggestions for a fast-growing plant. We'll deal with them as well as you, perhaps, if you could dial us, 404-872-0750. We'll be back after news. Let's go. 